This term at school, I've been doing a music program with the children called Red Rhythm. And it's uh, been developed by some people in Wellington and it's all online. So I just turn on the TV and these two guys pop up and take the lesson with the kids. And we've been working towards a performance of a little play called The Sleepover. Um, it's based around percussion, so they've been drumming um, with chopsticks and buckets. Uh, but we presented our story on Thursday at assembly to the rest of the school. And we rehearsed for a lot. We've had two lessons a week, so we've had 10 sessions plus a couple of extra practices this week. It all started out well. All the children went and they sit on the floor with the lids of their buckets and the sticks are underneath. And the idea is that it's a, a sleepover, so they all lie down and go to sleep, except one who was just completely stage-struck and just sat there staring at all the rest of the children in the school. And then um, the narrator says the children all went to sleep, but then somebody had a better idea, and one person pops up and starts drumming a rhythm on the drums. So that was going well. They all sat up, except one who was so scared that he just wouldn't get off the floor, so he stayed lying with his head on the bit through the whole thing. Uh, but the rest of them did really, really well, and the school enjoyed it and laughed, and there was a big crack. This morning, um, I'm not going to talk about that parable, which is very confronting. I'm going to talk to you about liturgy. Uh, and I want to talk about why we use this and how it shapes who we are, how we can be involved, and where it came from. Where did all these words come from? that we say. There's going to be some statements up on the screen. Um, I'm not going to speak directly to them, but I will be covering them as I speak. So you don't need to think that Gaylene's got way out of track. She's just going to run through them, and I'm going to carry on myself. Um, just to acknowledge that what I'm saying here comes partly from the introduction to the prayer book. It also comes from a piece of research that John did into liturgy and a conversation that I had with Bishop George. So why do we have a book? Um, it's an Anglican thing. We're really one of the only churches that has a prayer book, and that kind of defines Anglicans in a way. And why do we say these same words over and over again? Uh, lots of churches don't have a book. What's the purpose of the shape of this liturgy and the thing that we do? Well, I started with that story because one of the reasons we have a liturgy is that we can come here each week, or whenever we come, and we can practice being who we're meant to be. And what I mean by that is we come here and we say words about forgiveness. So out loud, we practice forgiving each other. We practice being forgiven. We practice hearing those words of absolution. We practice out loud giving praise and glory to God. We practice giving. We do that at the offertory. We practice that. We practice remembering why Jesus came when we come to the Eucharist, doing that last supper, going through all those, that part of the story of Jesus' death and resurrection of his last meal. We practice reading the scripture and learning from the scripture, contemplating it, sitting in silence, listening to instruction. And in this place, 
practice being community. This is a place where often there are tears, where people need comforting, people go for healing, we give strength to those who are struggling, and we share a common meal when we come here. We practice praying for other people. Every week we devote quite a chunk of our liturgy to praying for others. And so when we come here, all of those things we do are saying, this is who we are to be as God's people. So we get to do it here in its best way. And then the idea is that the other six and a half days of the week, we go out and do that where we are, having practiced all those things here. Sometimes, like my children, we get a bit stage struck and we actually don't know what to say to someone when we come across them in our day-to-day life. But maybe the words of the liturgy are something we can offer because many of those are just deeply ingrained in us and we know them. Worship is also a skill. It's something that we learn to do and something that we practice. And so when we come here this morning or any other day, we need to come ready to contribute. The role of this person here is called the liturgical assistant. They're not really an assistant to the priest, they're an assistant to the congregation to help you enter into worship. And so the role that I'm in this morning is to say the words that invoke a response from you and to say them enthusiastically and in a way that makes you think, yes, I'll join in those words with passion and enthusiasm. It's not John's job to create good worship. John sets up the environment for that, but as soon as we come here, we're all in that role as well. We all make this worship happen. So it's something we need to practice. If we've got bored, then we need to think, how can I refresh myself so that this isn't a boring road experience? How can I enter that door differently? How can I come in here and get myself ready to fully offer myself to God and to fully be in God's presence here. And I think, well, for me, one way to do that is to speak loudly and clearly, to say these words with enthusiasm when we're praising, to really get myself into a reflective place when we're doing confession and other private prayers, to sing loudly. We come here to join in that worship and to be worshippers in this place. Liturgy is not so much about what we say, but actually it's about what we do. Um, We, particularly as a church, do a lot of different things in this liturgy. So we sing together, we say a lot of words together, we make peace (coughs) with one another, we share a meal. Liturgy and worship is something that no other community group does. So if you belong to Rotary or Lions or Provis or um, St. John or all sorts of things, they do good works, they meet, they have fellowship, but none of those groups worship. We are the people who worship. And that's what sets us apart from another community group. But in our worship, we try to live out and to see who it is that we need to be. Why do we stand and sit and kneel? 
You may know this, but I just thought I'd go over it. Sitting is kind of our base posture in worship. So um, from sitting, we either stand or kneel. Although these days we don't kneel, we've changed that a bit, haven't we? I'm not quite sure why we don't kneel so much anymore. Um, we stand as Anglicans for celebration prayers. So we stand for all of the beginning. Um, we stand for corporate prayer. So we stand for the whole of the Eucharist because it's the whole body praying together. We stand for the gospel. And the reason for that is that it's like the climax of the three readings. So we hear the first two, we stand for the third one. We also stand because the gospel is about action. It's about things that we need to do. So it's like we're standing ready for our marching orders, ready to hear what we have to do. We also stand for the gospel because it has the words of God through Jesus to us. And I think in every gospel reading, there will be words spoken by Jesus. So there will be passages that are narration, but there will also be some words that Jesus speaks. So those are the reasons that we stand for the gospel. We stand for the blessing and the dismissal, again, because it's, we're getting ready to go. The blessing is saying, go now, take all the things that you've done on the journey and take them out to the rest of your life. We sit for instruction, so for the sermon, and we sit to listen for the first two readings. In the past, we knelt for private and penitential prayer. And actually, the only place for private prayer here is when you come in. And so some people will still kneel when they arrive and make their private prayer. But the only other time we kneel is when we come to the confession. In liturgy, we learn the language of love. We learn the language of God. So who set out the words? Who wrote them? Where did they come from? Well, the shape of our liturgy comes from the very earliest of times, before Jesus even. It's from the shape of liturgy in the Hebrew synagogue, which was simply praise, scripture, explanation, and prayer. And you can see that that's how our liturgy begins. Praise, scripture, explanation, and prayer. And then we've added the Eucharist to that. We, we in the sense of all who come after Christ, we. The Anglican Prayer Book uh, was first published in 1549. There have been lots of revisions. Um, New Zealand made the first published revisions in 1966. And then some of you might remember the book that came out in 1970. I can still remember that. Um, and the key change in that one was it took out all the these and thous and made them you. Uh, so the language that we speak. The current prayer book, our big one, was published in 1989, and it's still being revised. At Synod this year, um, the diocese were talking about new changes. So it's not a static thing. Um, it's constantly being revised. And when I talked to Bishop George, who was on the liturgical commission that did a lot of the work on this prayer book, and we, I was telling him what I was preaching about, and he said, the people who are on those commissions are people who are steeped in Scripture. So when they write new words and new prayers, it comes out of their, their understanding of
scripture and any knowledge of scripture. So though they may add words that fit our New Zealand context, for example, um, they're grounded in the Bible. The main changes um, in the current prayer book were that they changed the gender language from people, which was all men, to people, in plural. They changed the names and images for God. Um, God was always he, and that has been changed to neutral. And some of the images of God were images from the past, very triumphal and militaristic, and they've been removed um, and changed into other things. The new prayer book also includes a notion of um, ecology and that we are carers for creation. So in our prayer book, um, not 404 so much, but the other liturgies have a lot to say about creation. And so we say that beautiful Benedicite Aotearoa, where we talk about the mountains and the hills and the animals and all sorts of things. So, I was going to put my timer on, but typically I forgot, so I might just put it on now so I don't want to read it because I didn't type this. Um, we're going to have a look at page 404, and this is where you need your Bible. So if, I, if you get into a, find a partner, one of you have the prayer book, and one of you have the Bible, and we're going to see how much, uh, how the words of what we do um, came about and where they're taken from. So we're on page 404. Got a friend in the Bible. Excellent. So it begins with the statement, Grace and peace to you from God. This is a quote from 1 Peter 1 verse 2, and it's on page 983. 983 in the Bible. So the very first thing we say in this liturgy is a piece of scripture. My grace and peace be yours in abundance. And it's also in 2 Peter 1. The next statement we make in um, page 404, the Lord be with you, is from 2 Timothy 422 on page 968. Spirit, it says in 2 Timothy 4.22. The statement, the Lord bless you, is actually from uh, the book of Judith in their Apocrypha, so you won't find that in there. Just moving on down that page, the next thing we say, this is the day which the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. It's Psalm 118 on page 493. Page 493. Psalm 118, verse 24. And it's a direct quote from that psalm. So on the very first page of our liturgy, we've already um, spoken scripture from four different books of the Bible. And we're not, not even on to page two. I can see this is going to take too long, so just hold your prayer book and I'll just tell you where these things come from. John's looking at me with his timer and it's going on. 
Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, who remembers saying that in these words, Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all the last one, and from whom most secrets are hid. Do you remember that from the Book of Common Prayer? Not a lot has changed, just a few things in there. Glory to God in the highest. Those words at the start of the Gloria are taken from the words that <coughs> the angels said to the shepherds, and they're from Luke 2. And it's a direct quote, but the rest of the Gloria is actually a hymn that was written in the second or the third century. It's ancient, and it really hasn't changed much in all that time. So we're speaking words there that are nearly 2,000 years old. If you go over the page in your prayer book 406 and 407, all these words that um, lead us into the penitential right, they're all quotes from scripture, and you will recognise any of those. Um, Hear the teaching of Christ, you shall love the Lord your God, from Matthew 22. Come to me, all who labour and heavy laden, from Matthew. Joy among the angels of God is from Luke. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, we know that from John. And then if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins, is from the book of 1 John. God has promised forgiveness on page 407 to all who truly repent. Um, it's taken from Luke 24 and also links into some thoughts and acts. So all the way through our liturgy, we're talking scripture to each other. The Merciful God Prayer is from the Book of Common Prayer. When we get to the end of the confession, we say the words the peace of Christ will in our hearts. The word of Christ will in us richly. Those are both from Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. The sentence that we say every day is a piece of scripture and it always has the reference on it. When at the end of the readings, it used to say, our hearing is the lesson. Yeah. And um, that's not very exciting. Obviously, it's at an end. So they've changed that, and we say, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, which is from Revelation chapter 2. And in that chapter in Revelation, it's, uh, it's listed about six different times as the writer describes something and then says, let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. We respond with thanks be to God, which is used in a number of places in the epistles. Okay, we're up to the creed on page 14. The creed is not scripture. The creed is a piece of uh, a theological statement that was hammered out in various um, church courts to come up with a statement of faith that um, described what we believe. So that piece is not scripture, but that also is ancient. The peace of Christ be always with you comes from that section where Jesus um, entered the upper room of the disciples after his resurrection and said, peace be always with you. It's in Luke 24. When we come to the communion, so we're on page 420. Um, oh, sorry, I skipped over the piece on page 419. The words of the piece are from Corinthians 
where it talks about us being the body of Christ and keeping the unity of the Spirit. Are those verses about the body in 1 Corinthians and keeping the unity of the Spirit is from the book of Ephesians. Make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So that whole section of the peace is from Scripture. Where we receive the gifts to you, Lord, belongs the greatness and the power is a quote from Chronicles, a direct quote, the part the priest says and the part that we say as well. So all of our liturgy is shaped by the book of life, as we call it. And these words that we might have thought somebody else wrote are actually words from Scripture. The Eucharist itself, much of it is a form that was in the Book of Common Prayer, but you will know when we get to um, the part where John says, on the night before we die, that's just a direct quote from um, Scripture. And... When we say blessing, honour and glory be yours here and everywhere, that's from Revelation, chapter 7. And when we say the words, we who are many are one body, for we all share one bread, it's again from that section in Corinthians talking about the body of Christ. Why do we do liturgy? Because liturgy is about life. Liturgy is about who we are meant to be. The words that we say are words of life for us. And we come here to practice saying those words so that they can be our words and our language when we go out for the rest of our life. God invites us to worship. Worship is something that only we do. God invites us to be here and to experience God's presence. And we use the liturgy because in the craft and the words and the beauty of the liturgy and all of the things that we do together, this is an experience in which we can find God. So I encourage you as you come to that door each time you come here to prepare yourself to be a full and active participant in this liturgy and to really think about the words of life, the actions of community, the things that we do to find and experience God here. Amen.